Thank you. God wants us to help other kids so we can make a difference so that people in other countries have exactly all that they need. They need food, water, and medical service and shelter. We can all show kids the love of Jesus, sponsor a child, and make a difference. Good morning. I think I'm stuck, so that's gonna just that's gonna dangle today. All right. How's everybody doing? I gotta fix that. That's not gonna work. There we go. All right. You know, I just uh, I'm really grateful for Matthew Morrison for praying for us, and I just thought it's really cool that we give him a microphone. His first instinct is to thank uh, everybody. I think that's something we could all learn a little bit from. Um, so today's a pretty neat service. You might have noticed uh, some tables out there and, and uh, different students and stuff floating around. Uh, we've got uh, three or four up in the sound booth uh, working back there. Uh, I, I think my, my boy was on the door earlier, I think maybe for second service too. Um, and I told first service that that's actually one of the first jobs that I had in the church was in, in youth group. They wanted me to greet people, which is odd because I was probably the most introverted person um, in the town. Um, you thought I was going to say the church, so I zigged instead of that. Anyway, um, so uh, it was weird that I was nervous because like all of them were my friends, but I'm like, I'm supposed to greet these people. Anyway, uh, so we're here. Uh, you know, I wish I could take credit for uh, this Sunday. I can't. I, I uh, uh, I, I feel like I barely got here, and, and so all the, all, the, all the students were super awesome before I got here, uh, and so I credit that to all the, the hard work and the ministry that uh, Pastor Amanda uh, did long before I arrived, and then all like the youth volunteers um, that we have down there are, are amazing, uh, and so super grateful um, to have such a, a cool group. Um, anyhow, let's just, uh, let's just get right into it. I want to start... Uh, and just kind of paint a, a scenario or, or ask a question um, for you all this morning. Uh, and so imagine this, you're, you're driving home from work, uh, and, and for the sake of our scenario, um, let's just, you know, pretend you live in like a regular neighborhood, you know, like a row of houses, you have a, a park at the end of the street that uh, your kids play at, or, or maybe the neighborhood kids play uh, there, your grandkids, when they come over, they, they play at this park, you know, whatever the case may be, you, you've got... Uh, the, this neighborhood that you live in, you, you consider it home. It's kind of like your, your safe zone, right? Uh, and so you're, you're driving home from work, and the sun's setting. It's getting a little bit dark. Uh, and, and as you drive past this park, you look over, and on the bench, you see this. A man wrapped in a blanket, sleeping on a bench. What do you do? Uh, do you call the cops? Uh, do you just ignore it, leave him be, get on with your life? Uh, do you go and do you offer uh, him some sort of help? Uh, do you invite him over for dinner? Like, what do you do? And, and not only what do you do, but why do you do it? I think the why to our what's is sometimes, probably all the time, more important than the, the what itself. Um, so anyway, I just want to, to let that uh, scenario, that question, just kind of hang out there uh, for a little bit as we go into our text, into the sermon today. Uh, we're going to end up in Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bible and you want to get it ready, or uh, you have your Bible app on your phone, or, or however you do it, uh, or if you just count on the screen, whatever you do, just 
Be ready for Matthew 25. All right, but before we get to, to 25, I, I want to lay out uh, the, the scene a little bit. I want to lay out the context a little bit of the previous chapter because when you're studying the Bible and when you're looking at Bible passages, like the context is like the most important thing. Uh, sometimes what we do is we, uh, you know, we take a verse here, it sounds nice. We take a verse there, it sounds nice. We throw it on a coffee mug, put on a t-shirt, maybe a bumper sticker. Uh, we, we use it as like the jump off point for whatever else and we kind of get on with our lives. We got warm, fuzzy feeling and, and that's it. Uh, probably not the best way uh, to, to handle the Bible. Uh, and so context is, is super important. Like we got to figure out uh, what's going on uh, because the Bible... It is a lot like people, right? Uh, the more you find out about the person and the more you uh, figure out where they came from and, and their, their life situations and all these sorts of things, the more you figure out their context, then the more you're able to understand and appreciate that person. Same with the Bible. Uh, and, and so that's what we want to do. We want to kind of give you this, this picture because Matthew 25 that we're going to look at is just this small part of this large sermon that Jesus preached uh, at the end of his ministry. And, and, and so we want to know what sorts of ideas led up to what we're going to read today. Uh, and now the, the proper uh, you know, way to do that, if we had lots of time, would be to just read through 24 and, and talk about different things and, and just you know, spend a day. Uh, but they said I'm not allowed to do that, uh, so we're not going to do it that way. And, and so I would uh, invite you to take some time today. You're going to get home, you know, the, the pot roast is cooking. Open up, read Matthew 24, uh, and these are the sorts of things that you're going to find. You're going to find Jesus talking about the end times. Uh, Jesus talking about that, uh, you know, things are going to be coming to an end. He's going to be leaving, and then he will return again. And then you're going to see Jesus say, no one knows when that will be. No one knows the day or the hour. That's kind of the phrase that we, uh, we use at church, right? The, the, the thing, no one knows the day. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. Uh, and, then, and then Jesus really starts to like bring this point home. He, he tells a couple parables, tells a couple stories to, to illustrate this. And he tells the, uh, the parable of the, uh, the ten virgins. He tells the parable of the, the talents. Uh, which the NIV um, has re renamed in their headings the parable of the bags of gold, which I like a lot better uh, because it reminds us that talents is money. And sometimes when we talk about money, we get uncomfortable. And it's good to be uncomfortable when you read the Bible. So, uh, so he, he's bringing all these, and all, the, all these points are, are to this message he's preaching about, you know, the end times, his return He's coming back, we don't know when, and we have to be ready. Like all of these things. And, and, and so he, he's leading up to all of that, and that's what brings us to our passage today, uh, which I'm really grateful for because if, if I was listening to the first part of the sermon, and, and Jesus was saying things like, hey, I'm leaving, but don't worry, I'm coming back. I'm like, hey, Jesus, when are you coming back? You don't know when, it's just going to happen, but you need to be ready when that happens. I'm like, how am I supposed to be ready? If I don't know when you're coming, like, what does it look like to be ready? What are we going to be graded on? Jesus, when you return, what are we going to be graded on? I would be uh, like that kid in class who, you know, after given uh, the assignment, raises his hand and says, does spelling count? Does spelling count? Uh, because I can't spell. 
I'm glad God invented spell checker. Um, all right, and so, so that's, that's what we'd be asking, right? We'd be asking Jesus, what are we going to be graded on? Does spelling count? What are you going to hold as important and valuable when you return so that we know that we are ready? I mean, are you, Jesus, are you talking about church attendance and good manners and being polite, you know, and uh, not putting your elbows on your table, you know? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, how can I be ready? And so Jesus answers that question. And this is Matthew chapter 25. Uh, And we are going to read verses 31 all the way down to the end. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I need clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did, you see, uh, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Lord, we thank you for your word. May we hear it today. I really like that passage. I always have, because, you know, when you're a kid, you read it, like, you get what it means. Like, you understand it. Uh, there's, there's some things in the Bible that are just, they're just easy to understand. There's other things where, like, my head's still spinning. I'm not sure if I quite get it. And I paid people a lot of money to teach me how to do it. And I still, I'm like, I don't get it. But this, I mean, it's so easy to understand. And, and that, that's honestly, I think, what makes it so difficult. Because, like, we know what Jesus is saying. And I think if we are really honest, we might admit we don't like it that much. Because that's hard. And so this is a, a, a pretty straightforward, like, easy-to-understand passage. And, and uh, 
And these words, I mean, to me, looking at this, it makes it pretty clear what it means to be ready. Because that's what Jesus is talking about, like all of 24. I mean, this is, he's talking about being ready for when he comes. Like, we don't know when he's coming, but we got to be ready for it. And, and, and so you could imagine, like, in, in the, the transition between these passages, one of, uh, one of the disciples asking, well, how do we be ready? And Jesus says, here, let me tell you this story, this, let me paint this picture. And, you know, just like we read, he separates the sheep and the goats, and he says, you folks over here were ready because you saw me hungry and you gave me some food. You saw me naked and you gave me some clothes. You, you saw me in prison. You're like, Jesus, what are you doing in prison? Like, we didn't see you in prison. He's like, no, you don't understand. Whatever you do for the least of these, you've done for me. See, Jesus is coming in. We don't know when. And, and, and we're ready if we are making an effort to care for the least of these. We're, we're ready if we are uh, about the business of, of making earth a little bit more like heaven. That's what I've kind of grown, grown fond of saying it that way lately. It just, uh, to me, puts a whole nother dimension to this evangelism idea that we always talk about. Anyway. That was, I think, last sermon. Uh, all right, so because this is so easy to, to understand, it was so easy to, to just to know what Jesus is talking about, um, I, I feel like I don't have to um, explain it, but I, I want to point out just a couple things, uh, just some things that I would say about this passage. Uh, and, and so first is this, if we're going to be judged Right? That's, what it's, that's what it's about. If we're going to be judged, if we're going to be held accountable, if we're going to be graded on how we treat uh, the least of those around us, how, how we care for the, the needy, how we clothe the, uh, the naked, how we uh, visit the imprisoned, how we uh, feed the hungry. If, if, like, if we're going to be held accountable for that when we're standing in front of Jesus, like if, if this is something so important, so big that like we're going to be graded on it, that tells me that Jesus takes this pretty seriously. Like that's a, I mean, that's the first thing we can see when we're reading that. Like, this is something that's serious to Jesus. So serious that he's going to, like, he's going to, you know, put me to it if I don't do what he wants me to do. Like, we're going to be judged by this. Uh, this is a serious thing. And in another aspect of that, as I mentioned before, this is all like one long sermon, like 24 and 25, Right? If you if you flip through the book of Matthew, if you uh, if you have a like mine's got the Jesus words in red, like a lot of Bibles. Like if you were to flip through there, uh, you would notice like after 25, there's no more like big blocks of red text. I mean, there's there's is still red text, of course. Jesus still speaks after this, but there's no like giant blocks like you see there. Uh, and see, this is the very last sermon, the very last message that Jesus chooses to preach before he goes to the cross. Like, like if, if, if you were to say, tell me, like next week you're preaching and it's going to be the very last sermon you ever preach. Make it good. Make it count. Say what you want to say. This is your last. Like, I would put a lot of thought and consideration in it. And, and I think Jesus very intentionally went out with this sermon. Like, he could have preached on anything. He could have said, here's five ways to, to grow your church, right? 
Uh, here's the 12 best leadership things. You're going to need these coming up. You know, you're going to have to figure out how to organize it. Now, he, like he could have preached anything uh, at this point. And in, and in what he chooses to preach, what he chooses to, to teach his disciples is, hey, I'm leaving. I'm coming back. You got to be ready. And this is what you need to do to be ready. Take care of people around you. So I think Jesus takes this thing pretty seriously. Uh, and not only t- does he take it serious, it's, it's beyond that, right? It, it's, it's beyond like just something. It, it's, it's very personal to him. I mean, look at the passage again. This is, you know what he says. He says, the king will reply. Jesus will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, Jesus uh, identifies with, with, with those that are in the, the hardest, most difficult, darkest, lowest places in life uh, to such a degree that if we disregard, if we degrade, if we do not care for them, then he is personally offended by it to, to the effect that it, it's, it would be the same as if Jesus was at our doorstep needing uh, you know, some money for, for McDonald's and, and we're like, sorry, dude, get out of here. Like, I don't know about you, but to me, that's pretty heavy thought. Pretty heavy thought. So Jesus takes this personally. So anyway, we started with this, uh, this scenario, right? This, you see this guy uh, sleeping on the bench at the park up the street from your house. What do you do? All right, do you call the cops? Do you ignore them? Do you go offer them? Help, what do you do? Um, I want to tell you about this. It's actually pretty interesting. You might be able to tell, like, this is actually a, a statue. Um, it's, a, it's a piece of art by a Canadian artist. Uh, and, and what's neat about this, like, if you were to approach the statue, you would see his feet. And you would see on his feet nail scars. And it would take you just a second to realize that it's supposed to be a depiction of Jesus. And the name of the statue is actually Homeless Jesus. And there's a lot that could probably be said by that. I know, I mean, for me at least, uh, it's, a, it's a thing that provokes lots of thought and lots of feelings, you know. Uh, but what's interesting about this particular statue is it's actually traveled around to various places in the country over the years. Uh, and very often, as it shows up in a new neighborhood, sometimes it's a more well-to-do neighborhood, someone drives by, they don't realize it's a statue, they don't realize it's a piece of art, and they call the cops. Call the cops on Jesus. Um, And the the most recent was actually uh, in Ohio, uh, back in October of last year, and it it got placed in... Within 20 minutes, someone called the cops on the statue. To me, that's kind of crazy. But, anyhow, uh, Jesus takes compassionate ministries seriously. Jesus takes it personally. Uh, and so because of that, 
these things that we're talking about, you know, with, with Life Essentials and uh, the, the Compassion Child Sponsorship and, and the Global Mission Fund. Like, because of that, those sorts of things, uh, feed, you know, take caring for the poor and the needy, they should be important to us because they're so important to Christ. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm so happy that I'm part of this church where I know compassion isn't really a problem for us. Like, I'm not looking at a room of uncompassionate, incompa- not compassionate. I don't, I don't know grammar. Um, I, I'm not, like, I'm looking at a room full of compassionate people. See, look at that. I figured it out. Um, so, so that, I don't think that's a problem with us. Like, we, our core value, right? Uh, we are uh, people, we believe that loved people, love people, saved people, serve people. Right, like that's that's like part of who we are as a church, uh, and in fact, uh, because I knew that this church did the things like the life essentials and and these sorts of things were important to it. That's like one of the the big reasons why I'm like, okay, I'm okay with moving across the country to go to this place, because uh, I know that these words are more than just words for us. Uh, and and the truth of the matter is like. Me, I, I, can, I can point at the Bible and I can say, look at what the Bible says. But, like, my wife, she's, like, amazing at this sort of thing. And, and like, really, like, everywhere we go, like, she's always finding someone to, like, I was, you know, we was at the, this isn't in the notes. Sorry, Sophia. Uh, so, we're in, a, like, an apartment in Phoenix. And she comes home. And she's like, I just met this lady. They need food. And she's, like, taking food out of the cupboards and putting it in a box to, to give us. I'm like, all right. And that happens, like, often. Like, she's like, I met this lady at the dollar store. She, you know, she's going to have a kid. She needs some stuff. And she's like, so, like, I can, I can point at, like, the Bible. And, like, yeah, this is what Jesus. But, like, my wife, like, she can just, like, watch my life and see how, see how I live it, you know. Anyway, I went on a tangent. Um, we don't have a compassion problem in our church. And, and, in fact, I've been to various churches throughout uh, my life. In every church that I've been to, uh, they've not had a compassion problem. Because Christian people, our hearts have been changed by God, and, and we begin to love people like God loves people. And, and, and we start to have naturally, because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we start to have compassion on people. And so the problem that I've observed in the church is not a lack of compassion for people. It's, it's two things, and they're kind of related I think sometimes the problem is we don't know, like, the exact correct right thing to do. And, and when we don't know, like, the right answer or the right thing to do, sometimes it leads us to do nothing. See, because, like, these issues are a lot more complicated than we make them sound on Sunday morning, like as we're preaching. Like these are complicated, like multi-layered things, and, and sometimes the answer is different. Sometimes the, the right thing to do is you're driving home and you see that, that person in the park. Sometimes the right thing to do might be to call the cops. I'm not saying that's an evil, sinful thing to do, because that might be the... And sometimes it might just be to, you know, leave them be. Or sometimes it might say, hey, here's some food. Like... And really, I think a lot of times what determines if it's the right thing to do is the motive behind it. 
If we call the cops because we're thinking, let's get that filthy guy out of my neighborhood, probably the wrong thing to do. But if we say, he's, you know, if we think, oh, he's in trouble and, and it's coming from a place of compassion and love, then maybe it's the right thing to do. I, like, these things are, are super complicated. Like, we don't know, and it's hard. Like, what am I supposed to do? Because then we have to think of our families, too. We gotta, like, these things are complicated. I get it. I can tell you stories. I won't. They're complicated. And because we're not exactly sure what we should be doing, sometimes we just don't do anything. Uh, and, and we take the, the resources and the things that God gives us, and, and because we're afraid of making a mistake with them, we, we bury them in the sand, and we do nothing. That's the parable Jesus says right before this. Uh, and then related to that, the, the second problem I kind of see sometimes with Christians, people, maybe just people in general, is like we just we look around us, and there's need everywhere. Uh, and it's very overwhelming. And we think, where do I even start? What, what difference can I even make? What do I even do? Like, it's everywhere. And, and so not only do we not know the, the right thing to do, we look at the abundance of it, we're overwhelmed, and, and we don't know where to start, and then so we, we don't start at all, right? And, and so... We're going to wrap up here in a little bit. I'm going to invite uh, Zoe in just a minute to come up and, and uh, tell us about a passion of, of hers. Uh, but I want to give you this quote. So there's, uh, my family likes the, uh, like the superhero movies. And, and in the Wonder Woman movie, not the recent one, like the first one, uh, Steve Trevor, a character in the movie, says something, and it's always just kind of stuck with me. Uh, and he says this, uh, when you see bad things happen in the world, you can either do nothing or you can do something, and I already tried nothing. Uh, and so uh, today as a church, um, we're saying, you know, let's, let's do something. Uh, even if it's not like the 100% perfect, correct answer, we're going to do something motivated by the love of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We're going to do something. Uh, and, and so we, we're going to, uh, we're presenting you with options out there, you know, very tangible, specific, concrete things. Uh, you know, with the Life Essentials, signing up uh, to help with that. Like, they do so many different things on there. Like, we could probably spend an hour just listing the different ways you could help in that ministry. Uh, and then there's the, the world missions. I know uh, uh, with the Faith Promise, the, the goal for the church was like $23,000. We're like at 18000 now. And, and so there's, uh, that's $5,000 difference. I did the math ahead of time. Um, and, and then... Uh, and then the last one is the child sponsorship, which Zoe will, uh, will tell us about. And, and so and with all of these things, we've got, uh, we've got goals, right? Um, Zoe told us first service that she really wants to get 12, uh, 12 kids sponsored this week, this Sunday. Uh, I don't know how many were picked up at the first service, uh, but uh, if you feel competitive, uh, I, I did the math between first service, second service, and online. That's for each service, Right? So if you all, if you get five today, you could be like, second service did the most, right? You could totally do that. Just, I'm not competitive, but some of you out there might be, and if you want that, uh, that bragging right, you can. Anyway, Zoe, come on up and tell us some more about compassion, please. All right, good morning, guys. 
So Pastor TJ said he didn't really know, whoops, <laughs> how many kids got sponsored in the first sermon, but I do, and that number is seven. We have a goal of 12. <laughs> Super exciting stuff. I'm so happy with how that turned out. Now, how about we see it? with you guys if we can beat 12, because I think we can. I think we have a good crowd here. So anywho, <laughs> today is Compassion Sunday, and I cannot wait to see what God opens our hearts to today. I would like to share a quick story with you. Two years ago, I began a, I, woo. <laughs> I began a very special relationship with a young girl named Priska. She lives in Burkina Faso and turned eight years old in January. She loves singing, playing with dolls, participating in group games, but she lives in poverty. I was connected with her through an organization called Compassion International. If you've never heard of them, they're in an organization dedicated to releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. They do this by connecting children living in poverty to a local church. Nope, sorry, I got ahead of myself there. <laughs> They do so by connecting kids to a loving sponsor. Um, my sponsorship helps connect Prisca to a local church in her community, which ensures she gets the physical, emotional, and spiritual care she needs to escape poverty. Plus, it lets us create a meaningful relationship by exchanging letters. Through our letters, I have learned that she is a breathtaking artist. She'd love to one day have a dog named Tinor, she is the third child in her family. Her favorite color is red. And her favorite Bible verse is Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, which reads in the New International Version as children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Today I'd love to share with you why I think sponsorship is so powerful and why I think many of you should sponsor a child today. So sponsoring a child has allowed me to answer God's call to care for the poor. That's another reason why sponsorship is so meaningful to me and why I know each sponsorship is so personal to God himself. Jesus once said, going back to Matthew 25:40 in the New International Version, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these least, one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now before I start wrapping up, let's take a minute to watch this video and see how truly life-changing sponsorship can be. God wants us to help other kids so we can make a difference, so that people in other countries have exactly all that we, they need. This is our story of sponsoring a child with compassion. So let's start off with compassion. Compassion is a thing that helps other kids develop and get what they need and stuff. And the Bible is pretty clear that generosity is not about how much you have, it's about what you do with what you have. I remember our pastor at our church sharing about how if you don't have to walk to work every day and you have a car, 
Like you are like one of the wealthiest people in the world. That perspective made me realize how much I really have. And I realized that it was really important that we start being generous. You know, we wanted to sponsor a child, and so we looked with Evie and picked out a, a child whose birthday was, was kind of close to hers, so they were around the same age, and, and it was a girl also, and her name is Marabella, and she's from the Philippines. Um, Marabella is six. She likes singing. She also likes drawing, I think. Understanding the concept of poverty isn't personal until you put a face to it. And compassion put a face to poverty and a child's name to poverty. And um, it became this huge concept that's just out there somewhere and gave us an actual person to impact. So they, so Maribel's year was like they had hurricanes. Hurricanes over there, typhoons over there. And maybe I want to help them because when I think about things that I didn't really like or times where it was hard. I think about poverty and how hard poverty would be. And I, and I thought, I wonder how these people feel. I was in the kitchen and Evie woke up and came in the kitchen and she, she literally walked out of her bedroom with this idea pretty much fully formed to the degree that she shared with me, Dad, I had this idea that um, I, could, I could draw pictures, me and my friends could draw pictures and then people could buy the pictures for a dollar and then we could send that money to people who are poor. I hoped that it would make a difference that I'd make enough art to raise $500. You know, she came out of her bedroom thinking about someone else, which is huge for a child to do, and then thinking, what do I have? What, what ability, what assets do I have that I can use to make a difference? So, you know, we thought that getting involved with Compassion, sponsoring a child, we were going to be making a difference. And what we found is that through, through that, Compassion has given us um, a story and this purpose. Well, God wants us to do our gifts because He wants to make the world a better place and a better place for other people. Um, we don't consider ourselves as having very much, but um, because we had this uh, priority, both of, of the type of family we wanted to be, the type of people we wanted to be as followers of Jesus, as parents. Um, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be. And so um, you have to move your treasure around to put your heart in the right place. As people are thinking about whether to sponsor a child, I want to tell everybody, like, do it. Like, it's gonna change your life. Like, you need to do it. So the blue is the sad kid because he doesn't have enough of what he needs. They need food, water, and medical service, and shelter. And the yellow is the happy kid because he has enough of what he needs, and he's been sponsored. We can all show kids the love of Jesus, sponsor a child, and make a difference. So sweet, right? I think Evie and her story are just so precious. <laughs> so the video also makes me feel that God is calling us as the church to step up. There are many children in the world like Marabella, the kid that Evie and her family sponsor. Each of them needs to be reminded that God has a plan for them, that they're not hopeless, and that you know, there are people out there who are willing to provide that hope that they need.
Today, I'd like to invite you all to provide that hope for a child living in poverty. Today is a great opportunity to answer God's call to care for the poor. When you say yes to sponsorship, you offer hope to a child who desperately needs it. Your sponsorship connects a child to a church and therefore a church family like all of us here today. This will ensure their growth and development and their escape from poverty. Plus, it is insanely fun writing letters and receiving letters and just learning more about these kids. They're, they're phenomenal. If you feel like God is calling you to sponsor a child today, please make your way to the Compassion Sunday table in the foyer on your way out. I'll be joined by multiple members of our youth group to help you select a child to sponsor and answer any questions you may have. This is a very powerful chance to join Christians all across the country in answering a holy call, a call to hope. And I can't wait to see how God moves in this crowd today. can stand.
here in a moment. Uh, one of these guys great. So, uh, as you, uh, when we exit uh, through the right there, there's, you probably saw the tables coming in. Um, visit each table, talk to the, the folks there, learn about these things. Uh, and as always said, seven in the first service, so I'm thinking eight would be a good number uh, for second service just because you have to win. So I'm just, just saying. Um, uh, and then uh, right after pray, and as you're walking out, we're going to show a quick video um, on, the, on the screen. And it's actually a, a promo for, for the series beginning next week. And so if you want to stick around a, a minute or watch it as you're walking, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, but let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for uh, today and, and for, uh, Lord, just the, the awesome students and, and the, the youth workers and everybody that uh, uh, put in time and effort. To, to put all this together, Lord, we're so thankful. Uh, Lord, as a church, we're just so proud of the amazing students that we have, God. Um, and, and Lord, I just pray a blessing for each family here as we uh, contemplate your words and, uh, and seek your, your wisdom and your guidance on how you would have us best respond. Uh, Lord, help us to respond in a, a way that's loving and compassionate and, and with your heart and your mind towards those around us. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.